Welcome to Grinding the Data. My name is Kevin Scott. I hope you've had a great week so far. If you're new to us on this solo pod, I dive in every week to some underlying data, what's been happening in these uh, NFL games, how many snaps players are playing, how many opportunities they're getting, what shifts to be aware of, or, or what to anticipate from all of that happening soon. And looking at the data and not just the box score, just gives us tons of insight into what is actually happening, what coaches are trying to do, and ultimately to what's most likely to happen moving forward. This podcast is all about helping you win, helping you get sort of a, an angle uh, to get the right players on your roster, perhaps before they break out, perhaps because other managers in your league don't really see their true value or their upside. So I hope it's been helpful to you so far. If you've been a listener all year, if you're new, I hope this uh, pod will be helpful and you'll continue with us. I got several nice tweets this week from some of you who picked up Dearness Johnson a couple weeks ago before his breakout, obviously, and then one in week seven because of it. I just want you to know those tweets keep me going. They're so awesome. Uh, that's why I do this. I love helping and uh, just helping listeners win and sharing the knowledge that I'm working on every week for my own leagues. So if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, please do that. I'm at KevinScottFF. This show is at Grinding the Data. I'd love to interact with you over there. I try to answer all the questions that come my way as well. Uh, before we dive into the data this week, quick request of you. Uh, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It certainly helps out. It's quick and easy to do. You just go to the main podcast page and scroll down to where you see the stars, and that's where you give it a rating. You can also write a few words for a review. That just really helps other people find it and know that it's a solid podcast. Please also consider supporting the podcast, the article, and the the uh, that this uh, podcast is also um, related to. I, I write over at fftoday.com, and this pod, they're both free, obviously, uh, and they take about six to eight hours a week of, of uh, work. Uh, and so it's a challenge to find the time. Any amount you can um, support the podcast with helps pay for that time and the production. Uh, that's super helpful. Even if I'm only making 50 cents an hour, at least I have an excuse to keep doing it. Uh, you can do that over at Anchor. Uh, please also spread the word about the pod uh, on social media or in real life. That would be very appreciated. Let's dive into the data. This week, we're going to cover the running back data points first, then wide receiver, then tight end. Most of the data I want to cover uh, this week is pretty urgent, so I didn't want to uh, go with the other format. We'll go with this one for now. Uh, let's start with running backs. Dearness Johnson, the aforementioned, took over for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this week. He played the role of workhorse back uh, in Week 7. He played on 69% of snaps, got 24 touches, and took them for 168 yards and a score. Part of this is a function of the Browns' offensive line being excellent, but Johnson did look good. And um, I would say if Chubb and Hunt remain out for Week 8, Johnson is a must-start. It sounds like Chubb might return. If he does, I think Johnson will still split snaps with him and will play similar, uh, a very similar role to what Kareem Hunt normally does. Now, um, he may not be the receiver Hunt is, but I think they will split the snaps in that 55-45 or 60-40 range. So Johnson is still a nice play uh, in the same way that, I mean, I, I start Hunt virtually every week he's in there. Uh, because he's getting so many touches. So I think Johnson is a very good start still. Joe Mixon played on 54% of snaps, which is not great. And Samaj Pirine played on 48%. So they were definitely 
you know, sharing this backfield. Part of it, just to be aware of it, is that the, the Bengals were blowing out the Ravens. And so at the end of the, the, the game, the very end, like like halfway through the fourth quarter, P. Ryan got a lot of extra work. But he really was playing throughout the game. He looked good, and he looked good before he went on the COVID-19 list. Um, this week, he relegated Chris, Chris Evans completely to the bench. I don't think he played a snap from what I saw in the, in the data. With uh, P. Ryan played, um, played really um, important snaps too. And both he and Mixon finished with 12 touches. Uh, P. Ryan actually got the only target and, and had more total yards. So it's very concerning uh, if you're a Mixon, if you if you roster Mixon. I think on a regular week, though, Mixon will play more like 60 to 65% of snaps, even if they continue this split. I'm not totally freaking out about P. Ryan at this point. But on the P. Ryan side, I would definitely say he has value. He should be rostered everywhere, especially in this really, really rough running back landscape. So if he's available for, on, on your wire, uh, I would definitely try to pick him up if you have the space. Uh, in the messy Baltimore running back room, Devonta Freeman got 40% of snaps. Le'Veon Bell got 30%. And Tyson Williams, uh, with Latavius Murray out, got 29%. I believe no, none of these three backs should be uh, rostered. Uh, it's that ugly and certainly not started. Uh, if one were to start getting more than 50% of the snaps, then definitely you'd want to roster them. For now, I think that the only player with that potential is Latavius Murray, so he should stay on rosters, but it's an ugly situation. They are not even running the ball well most weeks, so I would avoid completely. Antonio Gibson played on only 42% of snaps on Sunday. That's his second straight week. He's under 50%. Uh, J.D. McKissick was up at 64% of snaps and led the way for the second straight week uh, in snaps. It, it appears that the Washington coaching staff is is like saying, hey, Gibson's got this stress fracture. We want to keep his workload light. We got to try to keep him healthy. I don't know why at this point their season's pretty much lost, but maybe they're holding out hope for Ryan Fitzpatrick to come back, and you know they want to keep Gibson going just in case they get hot. Uh, it's just really terrible news for those who have Gibson on their rosters. Um, <laughs> what a fall, man! From when we thought Gibson might get a three-down roll and might be like the Washington version of Christian McCaffrey, it, it just it's really fallen off the off the mountain there. And J.D. McKissick. Uh, man, I would say he's a good weekly flex option. He's getting tons of work in the passing game most weeks. Now, this this week he did not carry the ball much. He only got four carries, and you know the, the offense as a whole struggled against Green Bay. But I would say um, for actually for both of them, I'm kind of treating them as flex options right now. I don't. I'm not excited about either one because they're sharing snaps and Washington looks bad. But both have potential to put up 20 point weeks. So. Um, certainly in this landscape, they're probably both startable, uh, but it's just that they're sapping uh, the value from each other at this point. It was a very strange week for the Packers backfield in week seven. Aaron Jones played on 73% of snaps, which is about his, his regular this year, but he only got six carries for 19 yards. He did get five targets and caught them all for 20 yards, but man, what an ugly day. Uh, the 11 touches is not what you're looking for from a top, you know, 20 pick. It, it wasn't, because of A.J. Dillon being more involved either. He only got four touches and only played 23% of snaps. It just appears that the Packers had a game plan. You know, Washington has a good front, and so they just wanted to do the uh, the passing, especially the short passing route, instead of the run game. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, I'm going to continue to start Jones weekly. And I think Dillon continues to be an interesting sort of late season uh, flex play. 
uh, potential guy. Uh, he's going to continue to get more touches, especially in weak matchups. I'm considering, or I'm definitely open to playing him any week where they, they're against a weak rushing de- uh, defense that, you know, they might get up to a big lead and he's he goes in there to, to finish off the game. We're, we're still waiting for that game to happen where he comes in and gets, you know, 15 carries for 100 yards and a couple touchdowns. But I, I do think it's coming at some point. So just kind of keep your eye on their matchups here. Quarterell Patterson, uh, he he played. He's one of the biggest um, biggest takeaways from this week. He played on the most snaps of any skill position player for the Falcons. He was at seventy three percent. That means over all the receivers and all other backs, everybody. Uh, he has clearly taken over the lead back job for the Falcons. I mean, Mike Davis did play on sixty percent himself, sixty uh, percent of snaps, but he only received four touches, and Patterson got sixteen. Um, I, I just think of Arthur Smith. I think of his offense in Tennessee and how it sort of took him a while, or at least the, the coaching staff there a while, to really say, hey, Derrick Henry, this guy is special, and I know he doesn't look like a normal running back, but let's just depend on him. Like, he's unstoppable. I kind of feel like that's how they see Patterson. He, he's totally not a normal running back. In fact, he came into the league as a mainly as a return specialist and a receiver, like a very raw receiver. I remember his... Uh, first first year in Minnesota, he had a couple long touchdowns, and he was the talk of town heading into his second season. I remember I drafted him in the third or fourth round in that year, and he did absolutely nothing. It was one of those you know hype picks that you regret right after you make it. Uh, but the guy is a special physical uh, talent, like super fast and very good at breaking tackles. And I think that Arthur Smith just sees him like, hey, he can be my Derrick Henry here. I'm going to lean on him. Quite frankly, he's better than Mike Davis, and so I'm going to give him the job. He also lines up in the slot quite a bit because, again, he is a receiver. And I just think uh, this guy could be one of the league winners this year for those who picked him up early. I wish I had gotten gotten him in more places for sure. Um, I would try to acquire Patterson if you're able to because, you know, still his value is seen as uh, like so-so by most fantasy managers. He's still not put up like this giant week. Well, I guess he had one of those, but... Yeah, I would, I would try to trade for him if you can get him for a good price because it is so hard to find running backs uh, this season, and he has been quite consistent, looks to be the main guy there. Miles Gaskin looked like the clear-cut starter again in Week 7, continuing this strange flip-flop game we've seen in Miami all season. Super frustrating flip-flop game, mind you. It's hard to know what the coaches are thinking, uh, why they only involve him like every other week. Um, it, it just makes it so tough to know when to start him. I had to start Gaskin in a couple leagues this week with so many injuries and with the buys, and certainly that turned out nicely. Uh, This week he played on 63% of snaps and dominated the running back touches. He had 19. Uh, Ahmed played 30% and got nine touches. Brown played 7% and got four touches. You just never know. And to me, it makes total sense for Gaskin to be the starter. Um, he's clearly, uh, when I watch him, he's the best running back. He hits holes well. He has great vision. He's not a physical specimen or anything, but he's a very good runner. Um, so, I mean, to me, he still is a nice acquisition. If you have a frustrated owner who's sick of this on-again, off-again stuff, and they just want to unload him, um, I, I did I did that this week. I made a trade for him, and it turned out well so far. But you got to know, some weeks they're going to just change their mind and give, give the touches to... Brown or Ahmed, you got to be prepared for that. But I think he, uh, over time, I think he's going to rise to the top. Now, I don't know for Dynasty if he's going to stay the starter 
So it, in dynasty leagues, you got to be cautious. But for the rest of this season, I think he's a good acquisition, and you just got to hope that the the um, the coaches see what what I see and want to get him in there more often. Another player that seemed to grab the starting job even more, uh, kind of by the throat, was Michael Carter. He played. He's kind of trended up every week this season. His previous uh, snap share high was 52%, and then this Sunday he got up to 72%, like by far his most. I think the coaches, you know, over these first, you know, I guess seven weeks realized, hey, this guy's our best back. We got to give him more more touches, and they did. And he clearly has the starting role as well now. Now, obviously, the upside is very limited due to this terrible Jets offense, which now lost its bad rookie starting QB, which they put in another bad QB. Um, I don't Mike White, I think is his name. Uh, but still, Carter. The, the positive for White was that he looked like he was very comfortable checking down. Carter had nine targets in this game. He caught eight for 67 yards. So he's playing the snaps and he's getting opportunities and touches. Uh, to me, again, in this running back landscape, that has huge value. So if you have Carter, I think you're going to want to consider playing him over these next few weeks, depending on the matchup. And you know, if he's on your wire, he's an excellent pickup uh, because he's going to get touches, and that's what we're looking for at this point of the season. Darrington Evans got, is a name to keep in mind. He got his first action of the season for the Titans. I've been mentioning him for several weeks on the Players to Consider Picking Up podcast. Uh, he only played on six snaps, but he got two carries and two receptions on those snaps. So I think he's he's going to be getting more work as we go along. I think they the coaches still like him better um, than the other options they've got at running back behind Henry. I think Henry obviously is a workhorse, but they want to try to save him for the playoffs now that they look very likely to be there. So I think er er Darrington Evans is going to get, I would say, maybe up to 10 touches uh, a week as we go through the next few weeks. And I think those could be very valuable touches because he's a dynamic, very fast and shifty runner. Uh, so consider picking him up if you need a running back. J.J. Taylor was the main backup to Damian Harris in Week 7 for the Patriots. He got 10 touches on 26% of snaps. And Ramondre Stevenson, who looked great last week and looked like he might take over the number 2 role, was inactive again. And all I have to say is, I'm avoiding all of these backs. <laughs> I'm reminded every time I start to think that, hey, I want one of these backs on the Patriots, that you just don't know what Belichick's going to do outside of Damian Harris who even for Harris, it's frustrating because he's in most weeks he's getting under 50% of snaps. This week he got 46, or he's right around that 50% mark because of what Belichick likes to do. He likes to mix in all these backs and mix in a receiving back, and he doesn't trust Harris there. Even for Harris, it's frustrating, but for these other backs, they're pretty much unrosterable. I know that's not a word, but you just can't have them on your rosters. Um, or if, if you're in a deep league, you can, but you just... Good luck if you want to start one. You just got to hope you hit the right week. Jamal Williams was effective on Sunday. He, he, If you watch the game, he was busting through that Rams line very well. He ran 12 times for 57 yards, which is very impressive. But check out this underlying data. He only played on 20 snaps for 29% snap share. And meanwhile, DeAndre Swift played on 52 snaps, good for a 75%. He got 13 carries, so one extra carry, went for 48 yards, so not bad, but he had an eyebrow-raising 10 targets. He went 8 for 96 and 1. He also 
dropped one target at the end there that was picked off that he would have had a ninth. It wasn't his fault. It was just a bad throw too high. But anyway, Swift, I think, you know, all, all year I've been saying this guy's an every week starter because of his involvement in the passing game and because the Lions are going to be trailing almost every game. Uh, so he's going to get targets every single time he's in there. I think Williams, because he has stopped being involved in the passing game, he's more of a desperation running back play. I mean, if the Lions are playing a super weak defense, Williams could be an interesting, you know, uh, bye week fill-in because he could get some touchdowns. But pretty much uh, touchdowns are hard to come by for the Lions. Miles Sanders was off to his best start of the season on Sunday, so it makes sense that he was injured and left the game in the first half. Uh, he just, man, he can't win this season. Now he's likely out a couple games with an, an ankle injury. I would not, I would not drop him, um, mainly because of the terrible lack of options at running back this season. But you are certainly frustrated if he's on your roster. Uh, Kenny Gainwell could be a decent stand-in. He's the he's the number two there in Philly, even though the Eagles still, I mean, they don't run the ball I mean, almost almost at all. They're very hesitant to run it. Um, maybe that changes. I don't know. But I think Gainwell's a nice add because he's also involved in the passing game. Um, if you have him on your wire, which would probably only be in shallow leagues, but if he's on your wire, I would definitely put a strong bid on him because he's likely to be the main starter for a couple weeks here. Boston Scott also came in, got eight touches, and and did get a score. Um, he's he's worth a small bid. I think if um, when Sanders is out, I think Gainwell is going to get maybe seventy five percent of the of the running back uh, snaps. But Scott, you know, again, and if you're in a desperate situation, he's worth a small bid. Josh Jacobs was also injured in that same game. He left early in the second half, got nine touches. He did produce 68 yards of offense and a score. So it uh, was very effective before he left. Then Kenyon Drake came in and he was also effective, ended up playing on 39% of snaps, got 17 touches and produced 79 yards with a score. So if uh, Drake would, if, if Drake is um, the starter in week nine, now the Raiders are out on in week eight with a bye. If Drake is the starter, if Jacobs remains out, he will be a very nice start. I think Jacobs will be back. The, the news I heard is that his uh, chest injury wasn't too bad, but just keep an eye on that. Um, and certainly if Drake is on your wire, he's he's an immediate pickup. Chase Edmonds took over the starting job again in week seven. He'd been struggling with that shoulder injury. Uh, he played on 69% of snaps. James Conner was down at 30. That's the split we saw early in the season. I think that's what the coaches want to do. Um, Edmonds got 16 touches for 90 yards. Conner got 10 for 64 and a score. So both were very effective. And because Connor, even though he's only playing 30%, but because he's getting the goal line work uh, on a good offense, he is a good starting option every week. I think both of them are. Uh, Khalil Herbert, another big time uh, interesting situation from this past week, played on 77% of snaps, even though Damian Williams was back and Williams only got 17%. Now, maybe this uh, was only because Williams didn't get a chance to practice much or he was still, you know, slow from having COVID. I'm not sure. Um, if, if this is real, though, if this is permanent and Herbert has taken over the number two role behind David Montgomery, that's definitely worth noting. He may continue to get touches in that case, even after Montgomery's back. Uh, Herbert ran for 100 yards on 18 carries against the Bucks, so very impressive. He also caught all five of his targets for 33 yards. That's the second week in a row Herbert has looked very good. If he is on your wire, I'd pick him up immediately, just in case 
uh, he remains involved uh, regardless of the Montgomery situation. We also don't know how Montgomery is doing in his, uh, his return. So um, again, this is, if you're in a shallow league, some of these, you're just thinking, I don't want this guy. Montgomery's going to come back. I totally understand. If you have, you know, 16 guys on your roster or 14 guys on your roster, then a lot of these you're going to disregard. But I play in mostly leagues with 20 roster spots. And so all these guys, most of these players are already gone, already rostered. But if any of them are available in those kind of deep reliefs, pick them up right away. Jonathan Taylor played on 69% of snaps on Sunday night, his highest snap share of the season. It looked early uh, in the season like Naheem Hines might stay very involved and kind of sap Taylor's upside, but not not lately. Hines only got nine touches on 28% of snaps and was not effective. Uh, Taylor got 22 and produced 110 yards of offense and a touchdown. It just looks like he's clearly, like not even close, their best player uh, in the backfield. Um, he should be started the rest of the way pending health, I think. Uh, and I think Hines just needs to be avoided unless you're completely desperate. Elijah Mitchell played on 66% of snaps in that game, got 18 carries, had 107 yards and a score. The only other back to see a touch was Jermichael Hasty. He got three carries and three receptions, only at 16 total yards. I don't know why the 49ers refuse to play Trey Sermon, even though he's looked good, but it appears that's not going to change. He needs to be dropped everywhere except in very deep leagues and perhaps dynasty leagues, but I don't anticipate he's going to see the field except if there are injury issues or Shanahan gets fired, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, let's move to some wide receiver data points. Jamar Chase played on virtually every snap for the Bengals until they pulled their starters in the blowout win over the Ravens. He received 10 targets, a 26% target share, and caught eight of them for 201 and a score. He is an every week must start player. Uh, meanwhile, T. Higgins received a whopping 15 targets himself, so out-targeted Jamar Chase. He got he had a 39% target share. Now, he only caught 7 for 62 yards, but he is starting to click again with Burrow. I think he's going to be a nice starting option the rest of the way. This is looking like an explosive offense. Higgins may be one of the best um, acquisition targets this week because people are totally going to miss how much he was involved because he only had seven for 62 there. Uh, all the talk is Jamar Chase. T Higgins may still um, put up very similar numbers the rest of the way. So if you can trade for Higgins at a good price, go for it. In the second week, uh, he was active. Rashad Bateman played on 63% of snaps and again got six targets, caught three for 80, and he looked pretty good. Now Marquise Brown, as I suspected, was still the uh, clear top option in the passing game. He had 14 targets, uh, went five for 80 and one. Uh, because Baltimore struggled in this game, he played on 80, 86% of snaps. Just uh, don't don't uh, get worried about Brown. Brown is in, in set in stone as a great option this this season with them passing more. But don't miss that Bateman is clearly the number two already, uh, and should push for more snaps and targets as we go along. Another player I hyped up this past week was Russell Gage coming back from injury, and he certainly made me look good. He played on 63% of snaps. Got six targets and caught four for 67 and a score. He outproduced Calvin Ridley uh, despite Ridley playing on more snaps and getting 10 targets. Ridley only had four for 26 and one. I continue to say I, I would wait for Ridley to have a big week and then try to trade him. He's just not the same player without Julio on the other side of the field. I think Gage going forward should be a nice weekly flex option against weaker defenses. Don't go crazy. Uh, he's still he's still like their third target in the passing game, but He's solid since the Falcons will have to throw a lot. 
Alan Lazard was involved for the second straight week, caught five of six targets for 60 yards and a score on 91% of snaps. This is just one of those situations. Uh, the Packers' pass game is really just hard to predict and hard to trust because so many targets go to uh, Devontae Adams, and we just don't know who else is going to get targeted. We have Lazard, we have MVS, and we have Randall Cobb, not to mention Aaron Jones. So it, until uh, MVS returns, I think Lazard is a is an okay flex option, especially if you're hurting with bye week and injury issues. But it's just one of those oh, cool, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen again kind of situations. Jalen Waddle uh, continues to impress, played on 84% of snaps and got eight targets. Caught seven for 83, so he continues to, you know, catch low A dot passes. That's uh, where he's being used the most. But again, I say he's going to break one soon. He's going to take a long or like a short pass, maybe 80 yards, or he can go deep too. He's got crazy speed. Um, I think the biggest thing I continue to say, the biggest thing to co- play, pay attention to with his passing game is what happens if and when Will Fuller returns, and what happens when Devonte Parker is healthy. Um, I think. It's just impossible to know how much they're going to get as far as targets and how many snaps they're going to play and what that will mean for Waddle. For now, I recommend starting Waddle every week, especially in PPR leagues. Um, And he also makes a nice trade target because he hasn't had a blow-up week. Robbie Anderson continues to play almost every snap and get lots of targets and do nothing. And this is just a terrible situation with Sam Darnold looking like the Jets. Sam Darnold, um, Anderson this week got nine targets, only caught three for 14 yards. I think um, I'm, I'm okay cutting him. Uh, if you need the roster spot, he certainly has to be benched. So you're not using him until we see some improvement with the Carolina offense. A surprise one for me that I did not see coming was Khalif Raymond. Uh, he really seems to have become the number one receiver in Detroit. He played on 81% of snaps on Sunday, um, which was the most of all skill position players. He got eight targets and caught six for 115. Uh, my recollection of Raymond is that he was more like a, a special teams ace and not much of a like route runner. He's a small guy. I think they're playing him on the outside and he's producing. So I think he needs to be added everywhere. Um, at, well, I should say in everywhere that is a moderately uh, deep roster. He, uh, he, he needs to be added because he's producing and they don't have anyone else to throw to on the outside. Um we started the season thinking totally different players would be involved. In this game, the strange part also was that Amon Ross St. Brown, whose involvement has been ticking up, got nothing, zero targets. So I'm not sure what was happening there. I wouldn't start Raymond this week. Um, just kind of watch it carefully to see if maybe St. Brown had an issue we didn't know about. Uh, but if it continues, Raymond could be a nice play uh, for the rest of the season. It's impossible to trust any Raiders wide receiver, except possibly Hunter Renfro in PPR leagues if you're happy with like 12 points. Henry Ruggs and Edwards played on more than 70% of snaps, but they only got four targets apiece. I just think, man, the way that Derek Carr plays, I'm not trusting either one. I'm avoiding both of them the rest of the way. Um, Speaking of players I'm avoiding, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney are continued disappointments. They just cannot get on the same page with Justin Fields, and they don't look, the whole offense looks bad. They're both playing on over 85% of snaps every week, but this week only got four and five targets. Um, neither even got to 40 yards receiving. So most of, in most of the leagues where I have one of these players, I'm going to bench them, but I will cut them if I have to because I just don't see this improving anytime soon. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but this offense just looks really terrible. 
Uh, Debo Samuel played on 48% of snaps, and Brandon Ayuk played on uh, 71. I'm sorry, 48 snaps. Ayuk played on 40, so that's 86% and 71%. So not that different, right? Only eight snaps different. But Samuel was the centerpiece of the passing offense. Got seven uh, receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets, and Ayuk saw one target. I do not know what is going on in San Francisco. Same thing with the running back situation. I don't know why Kyle Shanahan is doing what he's doing. I don't know if this is the fault of Jimmy Garoppolo. I saw several routes they showed on the on the broadcast. Ayuk, very open, he passed to Debo Samuel. I don't know. I honestly don't. Ayuk cannot be started in any circumstances. Should only be rostered in very deep leagues or in dynasty leagues, but... Um, it's ugly, and you can't you can't change it. It's it's one of the most frustrating parts of fantasy when you see this should not be happening. Surely it has to change, but it keeps going. Uh, similar situation in with the Jets. Elijah Moore playing behind uh, behind Corey Davis and behind Jameson Crowder, and he's splitting snaps with Keelan Cole. Still, he played on 57% of snaps and got six targets, but because of the terrible quarterback play, he only caught one for 13 yards. Uh, they did give him a rushing opportunity to get the ball in his hands. He took it for 19 yards and a score, so he saved the day for you if you um, if you did have to start him. Moore is just likely in the midst of a lost season. He can be dropped uh, in redraft leagues for sure. Uh, he's certainly a hold in dynasty leagues for me because I see the talent, but uh, really frustrating. Brandon Cooks only got five, uh, only caught five passes for 21 yards on seven targets, despite playing on 95% of snaps. Cooks is, is a fine player, but he's just not worth starting against solid or good defenses because Houston stinks. Uh, Michael Pittman played on 91% of snaps in Week 7, led the way in receiving for the Colts. He caught all four of his targets for 105 yards and a score. Uh, I would just say the upside is so limited because of this low-volume passing offense for the Colts. And more than even the low-volume, um, it's the, the spreading of the ball. Like Pittman only managed a 15% target share. Uh, because the Colts love to spread it around and throw to all these secondary and tertiary receivers. Um, it, this was even without T.Y. T. Hilton in the game, and Pittman only got 15%. So he's really tough to trust. I think he's a nice flex option because he's really good. He's a good receiver with great ball skills, uh, but just another one of those frustrating coaching decisions. Uh, D.K. Metcalf got a 23% target share on Monday night, which is fine but that equated only five targets since Geno Smith only threw it 22 times. If Metcalf had not caught the long touchdown, it would have been a crushing game for those who roster him, uh, sort of like it was for those who have Tyler Lockett. Um, I would I would say you have to pivot away from Lockett. I, I continued starting him up till now in a couple leagues just because I drafted him pretty high, uh, but I think you have to pivot away until Russell Wilson's back. You just can't trust Geno Smith at this point. Lockett only had two catches or 12 yards on three targets. And even DK, um, if I have a, a similar option, I'm going to pivot away because, again, you're you're depending on him catching a touchdown, which I don't really trust with Geno at the helm. Uh, let's move to some tight end data. CJ Uzoma uh, was, again, a huge day. Caught all three of his targets for 91 yards and two touchdowns. He's not commanding a large target share. I mean, he's on a team with some really awesome receivers, but he's playing well and it's a dynamic offense. And you have to say that, you know, I, I'm impressed with Joe Burrow and how he's 
finding the open man. So I think he could have uh, some nice weeks. I think in tight end premium leagues or very deep leagues, he should definitely be rostered. And if you're hurting at tight end, you could do a lot worse than Uzoma. Robert Tanyan finally got involved in week seven, uh, playing on 68% of snaps, which is about normal, but he finally got some targets, five targets, caught four for 63 yards and a score. He's just a bottom line. He's a boom bust option. Um, he remains worth a roster spot due to his potential for big weeks. Uh, but it's super hard to trust. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, if he's your best option, you got to probably play him, but not fun. Uh, Kyle Pitts continues to really impress early in his, his career. 67% of snaps and caught eight targets, pretty much running a route on every passing down. Um, so he's he's just a player you definitely want to start every week. Had a 25% target share. He also caught seven for 163, so he's a big play guy. A very nice start to his career. Mike Asicki also having one of um, one of the best years among tight ends. Um, he played on 82% of snaps, caught seven of eight uh, targets for 85 yards and a score. He's putting up nice numbers pretty much every week. One thing I noticed is that the Dolphins played three tight ends heavily this week, and all three got good a good number of targets. That's not what you usually want to see when you're starting one of the tight ends. Uh, so it's it's not the best situation, but um, he still is the top and he's playing uh, top tight end. He's playing a ton like of receiver type snaps out wide in the slot, that kind of thing. So I think he's worth it uh, every single week start. Um, and again, something to keep an uh, keep an eye on when the main receivers or the other receivers who are injured come back. I don't know if that's going to zap his target share, but hopefully not. Uh, Hunter Henry played on 79% of snaps while Jonu Smith was down at 22%. I don't know if Smith was injured in this game. I would think probably because he hasn't played that few snaps before, but it's possible that's just how much Henry has taken over this role. Uh, it's, it appears that the struggle for the top spot is over. I think Smith can be dropped except in deep leagues unless, like I said, there's an injury. So read up on the news in this on this situation. Um, obviously, in like tight end premium leagues, uh, in deep leagues, you might want to keep a hold of Smith just in case. But I think for Henry, he's a weekly starting option. Again, the Patriots do change game plans so often. So the maybe, maybe Smith's time is coming, but um, it doesn't look very promising. Tyler Higby played on 100% of snaps and got eight targets, went five for 46. He's not producing huge numbers, uh, but he's involved for good offense. And, um, you know, he's he's getting lots of uh, time on the field. I think he's a top 10 option um, at the position due to his snap share. Dallas Goddard did what uh, fantasy managers had been hoping, he, you know, he got what he, they'd been hoping for, played on 93% of snaps. He did not do much with those snaps, caught three of five for 70 yards. But I think bigger days are ahead if Jalen Hurts can keep improving. Uh, Foster Moreau filling in for Darren Waller had a nice week seven caught all six of his targets for 70 yards and a score Derek Carr just seems to like throwing to the tight end I mean it, that's that's all I can figure I would just say don't really I, I would not waste money picking up Foster Moreau your fab bids on him I think Waller should be back after the Raiders buy uh, if you hear something about Waller being out long term sure Moreau is a fine ad but I wouldn't bother picking him up unless that's the case and one more item is Cole Komet he played on 89% of snaps I already talked about how the Bears are terrible. I would not play any right now, but if I had to play one, it might be Komet uh, on teams where I don't have a tight end, uh, a, a nice tight end option. Uh, he seems to have a nice connection with fields and is playing basically all the snaps. That's going to do it for the pod this week. 
I sincerely appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support. And I just appreciate the chance to get to know some of you and interact with you. I will try to do a Twitter spaces like live conversation this week. So be on the lookout for that information and look for the pod later in the week as well with players to consider picking up before week eight. Take care and be who you want to be today.